Um, so first off, how many of you raise your hand if you're a freshman? Freshmen, we got a couple. Okay, raise your hand if you're a sophomore. There we go. Juniors. Nice. Represent. And uh, seniors. Alright, so we've got a good mix of all of you guys. <laughs> so, are all of you actually English majors? Raise your hand for an English major. Okay, almost everyone. What are you? Economics. Economics. Are you minoring in English or are you just interested in professional writing? I'm uh, interested in, and then I also get out of one of my annual correspondence for my poetry class. A <laughs> <laughs> so, you know. honest individual. So how many of you are actually emphasizing in professional writing then? Good, good number you. Me too, that's good. Okay, um, well I think we're going to go ahead and get started, there's probably not too many more coming. Um, I'm going to introduce our panel. Um, this is Tom Johnson. He's a senior technical writer for the LDS Church in Salt Lake City. He earned his Bachelor's of Arts in English from BYU Provo, and he earned his MFA in Literary Nonfiction Writing at Columbia University's uh, School of the Arts. He taught composition as a grad student um, at Columbia University and American University in Cairo. He was a copy editor in Florida. He's been married 11 years to his wife, Jane, and he has three girls. How old are they? Uh, eight, four, and two. Eight, four, and two. Um, and he maintains a blog for any of you who've taken Brother Allen's class. You've probably heard of it, idratherbewriting.com. It's really fun. Um, then this is Keith Harden. He's working for an engineering firm as a technical writer in Utah. He graduated from here in 2006 and has his master's in English from BYU Provo. And then this is Scott Cameron. He's one of the English faculty here on campus. He uh, would probably prefer to be known as a poet and literary critic, but he has made vastly more money as an editor and professional writer, though even that sum isn't terribly vast. <laughs> he has edited documents as varied as articles for BYU studies to books like Financing the 2000 Election to a pre-trial statement for an expert witness. And along the way, he has been introduced to and enjoyed fascinating topics ranging from black theology to federal election finance law to the dedication of the Joseph Smith Memorial Monument in Vermont. So let's have a hand for our panel. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and let you guys present whatever you want. If there's some time at the end, have some questions. And just so you all know, um, there is at 2 o'clock back in the Hinckley Chapel the forum for Nicole Mazzarella, um, the author. And we want to encourage you all to come because it will be great. So now we'll turn the time over to you guys. <coughs> I was kind of under the impression that you would give us questions and it would be a panel rather than a presentation from us. So if you, does somebody have a question they want to kick off to start the discussion? How many people are interested in, in technical writing versus another? Just a couple, three or four? So we have a lot of uh, room to convert the, the, the remaining into the field. Okay. I've got a question. Um... <clears throat> I'm actually maintaining a blog now to learn more about technical writing because that was the field that interested me and most of the professional writing classes here are geared towards editing. Um, 
what what would you say I guess are three major differences between editing and the technical writing you do uh, Scott do you want to start off that since you're the editor guy <laughs> um, I mean, probably one of the, the main differences, depending on what sort of editing gig you get, um, you may be doing more of, um, you know, especially at the beginning in copy editing, a lot of it you're going through looking for, hey, they need a comma here, or we need to hyphenate this word differently so when we actually print it, it looks right on the page. Um, uh, but as you... Um, whereas, you know, some of the editing... I, I, that's where I started. Some of the editing that I've done since... Um, has been actually a lot more like technical writing. Um, for instance, with the financing the 2000 election book, I worked with about seven different authors, some of them really good writers, and I did basically go through and add in some commas and things like that. Uh, but for, in some cases, even though these were professors writing, uh, their writing was horrible. So I completely <laughs> reconstructed chapters, moved things around. Um, uh, but uh, but I guess you know probably bottom line some of the difference is even though I feel like I was changing things significantly I wasn't necessarily generating the content. Yeah, I I would add to that and say that yeah the technical writer you're you're principally the creator of the material rather than shaping some what somebody else has has created. Although recently I in large organizations oftentimes different departments take upon themselves the role of technical writer and either, even if they're a project manager or a coordinator they just kind of think oh I can do it I'll make the, I'll create the manual and then they try to publish it and we kind of have a filter and, and say no this is not good so we end up rewriting it so in that sense we do play an editing role um, and and I recently did that for a guide and, and it was kind of interesting um, it's kind of difficult because maybe as an editor you're expected to do that, but if you tell somebody, look, your guide is terrible, I'm going to rewrite it, you have a lot more burden on you to, to produce something that's going to impress them. But, um, but yeah, there's overlap, I think, definitely. You're editing other people's documents as they come in like, because they want to communicate information. I mean, it depends on your role. It depends on the, your company, things like that. Do you have any... I don't have Thoughts. anything to add. No, I'm going to keep covered it. <laughs> Sorry. Thank you. So what kind of things did you guys do when you were in college that like added to your resumes and, and got you ready for the professional world? I took Brother Hardvickson's um, grammar class. By far my the most useful class to me um, as a technical writer, and that's sort of what makes me stand out is my... Um, understanding of the way that the language is supposed to be constructed, punctuation, um, that's what allows me to contribute. And, uh, you know, the, the literature classes, I, I was a literary studies emphasis here at BYU-Idaho. I got my master's in American Lit at BYU. And uh, I think that all that did intuitively help me understand um, and familiarize me with the language, but... Um, getting the more formal training and I don't know how technical writing classes um, I mean I don't know what your experience is with that but um, I would think that those would would make you stand out a lot more because that's when you're learning specific skills um, that you can then use to contribute um, so 
there are a lot of classes I wish I had taken as an undergrad before I entered the field. And I have to say, economics was probably one that I wish I had taken because, as um, James mentioned on his 11 cents an hour quote, it's true. Like, I had this romantic notion of, of writing and submitting to magazines and, and working that way and, and providing for my family. And it took me a while before I realized that that wasn't going to happen. And so I needed to find some kind of financial sustainability. And that kind of pushed me in to technical writing. But I found that it, there's this giant myth around this, the, the field that it's like this boring drudgery, and it's really not the case. It's, it's you are creating content, and, and you're publishing, and, and you, you can do a lot. You can do graphic design. You can, you can design websites. You can work with uh, HTML code to design an online quick reference type material. So I wish I had taken, I wish I had more financial common sense as an undergrad about the realities of making a living. Um, but also, I, I kind of wish I had maybe double majored in graphic design and, and maybe computer science because those are two really useful skills. Um, being able to understand code and, and to be technical in that sense, and also to design things so that they look professional and they look attractive. Because a lot of people don't ever read what you write; they just kind of look at it, and if it looks good, they're they're excited about it. But um, those are those are good skills. But also, as uh, Keith was saying, the ability to write is key. If you can't write, it's kind of like um, trying to play football with a bad ankle or something. It, it, you, you can't really do it. You can sort of get by, but it's always going to bring you down. So if you have that command over the language, you you have power to create any kind of material you want, and you have the confidence that, that you're creating something that's accurate and that, that's uh, really credible and worthwhile. Um, I, th I think that uh, you touched on something that I wish I had considered more seriously uh, when I was uh, making decisions about my major and minor. Um, and I was even told, actually, it was at the, I think, 2006, 2005 pre-professional conference, the keynote speaker um, suggested that we, that we get a background in English and a background in something totally different, like computers or, um, you know, I was thinking, well, I'm going to go on, get my master's, I'm going to then go on, get a PhD, I don't really need to diversify, I want to specialize. Um, I find it interesting that all three of us, you got your MFA, is that right? And then you have a, a master's in a literary emphasis. Uh -huh. And so do I, you know, that I think, um, I think it's common to want to pursue what's interesting. But yeah, there comes a point as you identify when um, you realize that I really need to make money. I need to be putting food on the table. I need to have somewhere to live. And um, the places that you can do that are going to require, or, or maybe you'll have more advantage if you have, if you have a more diverse background. And I think that it is, it's possible to get a, a good job um, where, yeah, you're able to explore and expand yourself and contribute to an organization with an English background, but I, I got a psychology minor. I wish that I had done something radically different, like yeah, something in computer science, um, finance, something completely opposite. And uh, I think um, that that would be my my piece of advice. In that is yeah, do be get get. Um, get qualified in something else so you can at least say, yes, I have experience with this kind of technology, software, 
and I think that's when you can become a little more special. So. I think the only thing I would add is just try and find any opportunities that you can <clears throat> to, I mean, as you take editing classes or, uh, you know, the technology class um, for writers, try and find opportunities where you can practice that. Uh, you know, as much as I disliked some of the stuff that I worked on at BYU Studies, it was really helpful to actually put my editing to work. Otherwise, I think I, I would have lost it. Um, and so I try and find places where you can do some editing. Um, and, and also, uh, I really hate the term networking, so I'll, I'll talk about bothering friends. Um, <laughs> but, um, but build friendships and bother people, you know. Um, you know, I, I was kind of fortunate when I was at BYU and Provo. One of my high school friends, her father was the chair of the department, so I was, you know, I went and bothered him. I said, hey, do, you, "Do you need any research done? Could I could I do some research for you?" And luckily, since he was the chair, he had some money he could pay me. Um, but you know, that uh, allowed me to do some some really interesting work for him. And then when I graduated, and I thought, "Oh, well, I'm, I'm going off to graduate school, but I need some money for the summer." <laughs> I could go back to him and say, do you know of any editing jobs? And you know, he said, oh, actually I do. Just a week ago, you know, this political scientist on campus asked me if I knew of any good editors. And so he recommended me, and you know, I thought, well, here I go. I have a, uh, you know, a paying job for the summer, but a terribly boring one at editing this political science junk. I don't know. Um, and I was absolutely fascinated. I was blown away that financial election laws and uh, you know, campaign finance could be really fascinating to me. So lots of possibilities out there, so bother friends. I, I have a question. Um, just kind of what, I, I'm just wondering what kind of led you to this type of work and what things do you love about it and what things do you not like about it, what you do today? Well, I was teaching for a couple of years, actually with Brother Alan in Egypt, and I realized that I didn't really like teaching. Uh, Something about grading a lot of student essays was always something that I hated. And I realized that I, it was not really a career that was going to take off for me. And so I decided to steer, well, Josh said I should go into, into technical writing, but I went the copywriting route first because I still resisted it. I had this notion that it was just you know this last resort, sellout kind of career. And so I, I was this copywriter for this little uh, body well, I shouldn't even mention it, but it, for uh, like a little protein pill kind of vitamin thing, which, you know, I don't want to spend all my creative energy writing stuff for something I'm not fully behind. At the same time, it was it was uh, eye-opening, and copywriting can be invigorating, especially for a startup, because you get to do everything from the website to the product labels to the brochures to the uh, radio press releases to anything. Uh, so that was fun, but... but Eventually, I went into to technical writing because it paid more, and I needed that money. And I know that sounds bad, but once I got my job, I started to uh, play around with the software that I was supposed to document, and I got to learn all these new tools. I got to uh, actually be in control of the publishing and the layout, and that actually uh, required a lot of creative skill, and I, I started to really enjoy that. Whereas before, as a copywriter, really, I could have done everything in Notepad, and they would have been happy, which... It isn't very, you know, fun. It's fun to be able to be in control of how you're laying something out, how it looks on the web, how it looks in print, 
And uh, the, the combination of technology with kind of the personal domain and privilege to do whatever I want with how it looks is something that I, I really like and which keeps me involved in it. Um, I am in this field purely because I had an opportunity to get a job. Um, you know, I, I uh, just graduated um, in August is when I finished my degree. But I began looking for work. You know, I was done with classes in December and started looking for work. And uh, a girl that I home taught, I told her I, I would love to do what she was doing just to have work. And uh, a job opened up, and she recommended me for the position. Um, so, so... I'm in this line of work not because I looked down the road and thought like that's what I want to do but purely because um, I have the opportunity to to work um, and I think that um, of all English majors I think I was you know uh, Dr. Richardson talked about avoiding work I think that uh, I'm probably as strongly as anyone attracted to um, just wanting to think wanting to explore ideas, um, interact with people, and don't want to have to focus on the reality of, of Adam's curse, that we can't just play around in the garden, but we, we now have to work in order to get bread. Um, but um, I guess I, I realize that it's not as bad, you know, as you point out, that... Uh, it's actually enjoyable to interact in a, a workplace as a technical writer, um, mainly because of the people that I'm working with. Um, the, the work that I'm doing is probably a little more, um, I'm not even creating so much the content, I'm formatting documents using markup languages, uh, which I think is a pretty useful thing and probably will be good going, going down the road. But Anyway, I'm probably not making a lot of sense here, but I guess I'll just sum up and say that um, I'm happy to be working where I'm working. Um, I do think that it'll, it'll open up opportunity for me in the future, um, and I've, I'm content to, to, to be doing what I'm doing. And it's not because it's so fulfilling to look at the documents that I'm doing, but rather I feel like I'm a team that's a part of a team that's... <coughs> producing quality work and I get paid so <laughs> I just want to add some what Keith was touching on the environment where you work is really it can be incredibly engaging because you get to interact with project managers you get to interact with developers and quality assurance engineers and you're all working towards this product you get to work with user interface wizards that just code the interfaces of these applications and and, and all kinds of people who are, you know, capable and smart, and it's fun to be in that environment. Whereas, you know, if you're editing a document, you may just be in a uh, lonesome little cube, and you interact when you're done. Maybe, I, I, maybe you have to clarify a lot with the, with the author what they meant and things like that. But by and large, uh, definitely in an IT environment as a technical writer, you're part of a team, and that that can be invigorating, and it can. It, you get to use your people interaction skills. You have to track down subject matter experts and say, 
what is this doing? You know, what, how is this supposed to work? And you, know, and you can give suggestions and say, look, this is going to confuse the users. Or I've heard feedback that nobody gets this function. Why are we calling it this? Let's make the let's rewrite the text on this interface, change the button labels, and so you get to be part of the success of an application when it takes off and, and people start using it, and that's really rewarding. To be honest, um, <clears throat> I'm not a terribly good copy editor. It just bores me to tears. I get bleary-eyed. And, uh, you know, um, so that's probably one thing I really don't like very much. But one thing I really do like about editing, um, and this is kind of ironic because it's, it's partially that I'm not the one creating the content, and so I get infused with all sorts of material that I never would have even dreamed of thinking about. You know, whether it's you know, financing campaigns or, you know, uh, I mentioned an article about black theology. I'd never heard of black theology before, and all of a sudden I find myself on the internet looking it up. Let's see, you know, what I can find out about this. So just, I think, really, the people out there have fascinating stories. Occasionally you run across some really dull history and stuff like that, but for the most part, the things I've worked with have been really intriguing, and, and I liked the sense that people were pushing me to things that I never would have seen on my own. I want to start out as a freelance copy editor, and so I started trying to hustle some jobs now, trying to get my name out there a little bit. Um, the big problem I have is how do you convince somebody that they really need your copy editing help without insulting them? <laughs> <laughs> What do you mean insulting? Like, like, like for instance, um, I have a friend who has a small business, and she puts out a newsletter once a month, and she doesn't know the difference between the different theirs, and it's just it's really bad. And I want to tell her, you know, hey, I'm doing this. You know, would you be interested in my services? Without telling her, wow, your newsletter is really bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's probably uh, an example of. You know, presenting things in the most positive terms you can, and and instead of focusing on what she, what uh, she's doing wrong, say this is where I can help you, and this is the difference that it will make. Um, that's an area I have no experience in how to how to go about getting business. Um, but I would think if you have experience, you know, even if you're doing stuff for free for people where you've done a couple of jobs and you can say like I've done this and it made this kind of difference in their business you know they're one of their customers said this or whatever um, then you can be presenting it in terms of like here's how I can help you do even more rather than here's a problem but that's my best shot I think that most people nowadays think that they can write and I do some some blog design on the side Hardly anybody ever asks me to write copy for them or to, to, to create the content. It's always the technical things they, they need help with. They always feel confident in their own writing, even if it's terrible, because it's kind of a standard because so many people can publish and people are used to reading poor writing. And if it's clear, they, they really can't tell. They don't have that fine writer's eye that can distinguish good from bad writing. So it's really tough to try to convince other people that they need the services of a copywriter, unless maybe they're writing a book or something more serious, where they, where they then need need more in-depth help, in-depth help. I play up the friendship. Just say, hey, I'm I'm starting this out. I'd really like to 
I'd really like to help you uh, and focus on focus on the positives. You don't have to talk about wow, that's really a miserable newsletter you put out. Uh, so I, I think you know, I think focusing on the positives is a is a good thing. The other thing that um, has actually been surprising to me is that although I think that people feel fairly confident that they that they can write, I, I've been surprised even working with professors how how readily most of them, not all of them, um, are that they're open to suggestions and and changes. I mentioned the one chapter that, of that book that I completely reconstructed. I was really nervous when I initially sent him back the material I had been working on because I thought he's going to he immediately notice that this is not what he had sent in. It's completely different. And he was thrilled, <laughs> I think, because he knew that this was not a strong point uh, of his. So... Um, I just go in accentuating the positives, and, and my guess is that a lot of times you'll find that even if people aren't asking for copy editing, that they're open to suggestions that you have. Or, or even if you could, if you could lay out the material in like an ebook format or or some kind of attractive-looking pamphlet, news um, news article, magazine-like layout, that can be a really valuable addition to what you're doing. In, in addition to editing it. So um, do you think having a master's is a good way to forward your career in this? Could you get a buy with a bachelor's? or is, And if you suggest doing a master's, what kind of master's? Well, if you're talking about technical writing, <coughs> I think you don't need a master's degree. A master's is helpful in maybe getting you to a certain salary grade, perhaps, based on requirements. But really, all you need is some good, solid experience in, in some projects. I mean, you definitely don't need a PhD. In fact, it can detract if you have a PhD because then people think you're too academic and you're going to be too theoretical or something and not you're not going to, I don't know, be as engaged. Maybe you're always looking for that teaching post instead of focusing on, on your company. But I think if you have a bachelor's degree combined with some solid experience, maybe in some projects you've done, that can be enough to get you started. And then once you've got a foot in the door then all the other doors kind of open up because you suddenly have experience, even if it doesn't really amount to a whole lot. I would think um, in, addition to, in addition to that, um, not just having a degree, but the specific courses that you're taking, and even, even within that, the specific skills that you learn, um, <clears throat> you know, in studying how to put together a resume, the more specific you can be and the more concrete... Um, items you can put on there that, you know, I took a class where we learned how to put together this specific document. I learned these particular skills. I know how to use these specific programs and this technology. Um, I think if, you know, a, a, a career in technical writing, I would think more than having an advanced degree, it'd be, it'd be valuable to um, get as many skills as you can to list that I know how to do this and use this. And, and have those specific kinds of things on there, I think that would be pretty valuable. I, I don't know if there's a whole lot I can add. I, I, would, I would think that, I mean, along with the skills, if you can put together an electronic portfolio that actually shows the projects, um, that that would actually speak a lot more um, than just you describing this is what we did for a particular class. Um, so that'd be something I recommend. And I really don't think an advanced degree um, 
necessarily helps you at all in a lot of situations. Uh, my wife for a while worked for a children's book publisher. Um, she was a history and, and art history double major. And you know, the reality of it was, regardless of what education she had, she was going to come in at the bottom as the editorial assistant and read through the slush pile all the stuff that all the unsolicited manuscripts, really, really bad children's books. Um, and, and so I think part of the reality is, you know, especially with editing, you're going to have to work your way up very rarely. You know, I was really lucky just to sort of land, you know, fall into... Uh, some contract positions where I was working with an individual who needed more than just the bottom of the rung stuff. I think we had a question over here, and then Brother Hartvickson had one. I was just curious. Um, I don't know any computer languages right now. That's probably a very dangerous thing to admit. Um, I was curious what the foremost well, well, what the most valuable computer languages to learn are. Well, I guess I didn't mean to give the impression that you need to know a computer programming language like Java, although that would be nice. Uh, I mean more just basic skills with the web. If you can understand HTML so that you can make links and, and do some basic stuff, that's kind of really helpful. I mean, if you do know Java, you do know .NET, you can do more advanced Instruction. You can can write books for developers, and you enter a whole new salary grade at that level. Um, but but you don't have to be a programmer to to do it. In fact, a lot of times you approach something that they're working on from the user's point of view, and and if you don't have that in depth knowledge of how it's working, that can help you because then you you see more of what questions the user will have. You say, well, how was that supposed to work? Rather than like going through the code and just understanding it from that end. But if you are going to learn a programming language, I think Java is really a, a popular one, especially because so many applications are, are web-based now rather than downloaded locally. That uh, it's it's the language that a lot of people use where I am. Thank you very much. I don't have anything to add to that. No comment. <laughs> the question I have is um, oftentimes when I'm advising students, they'll come in and they'll say, well, what do professional writers do? And I'm curious to know, is there such a thing as a typical day for you? And if so, what would a typical day at work be like? What, what would you do? Or a typical week if you're taking a project through some sort of uh, plan? Do you want to start? Go ahead. Uh, I think I'm probably really atypical since I did mostly contract work. It really varied from, from one job to the next. Uh, um, so, I mean, it could sometimes, I mean, I spent some time in the church archives basically transcribing a journal once. Uh, yeah. So I don't know that there is really a, a, a really a typical day if you're on sort of the, the contract side of things, unless, you know, maybe if, um, you know, as a student over here suggested, if you're really focusing on copy editing, then you can probably count on a lot of alone time where you're just looking at the, the document itself and and then going back and eventually talking with the individual. Sometimes they'll just say, okay, great, I'll accept your changes, and sometimes they want to know what it is you've done. Um, well, I should probably clarify that um, I'm not exactly a technical writer, even though I'm working with um, technical documents. Um, I'm, uh, 
what we call a tagger, where I'm basically formatting documents using a couple of different markup languages. Um, so my work day and my work week, um, I'm sitting in front of a computer pretty much the whole time, um, editing using um, SGML and GML. Um, so it's a sed sedentary computer job. That's it. So the day before I came here, actually, I was doing something that I'd never done before. And it's, I mean, maybe that's typical. You do things that you usually don't often do. But uh, we have this, this vision of expanding these community projects and having the community code them. And so I was putting up the tasks that I envisioned for this application on a wiki and uh, kind of corresponding with some moderators of the wiki about the best way to set this up. And I was kind of learning the, the wiki markup, the wiki syntax for MediaWiki to try to figure out, you know, what, what will people really need to know? How can I simplify it? Some other people called to say that uh, a document that I had written for this patriarchal blessing online submission system needed to be kind of revised. They wanted to change the titles. And then they said, well, we kind of think the patriarchs who are older need a simplified version of it. And I was trying to think, how can I simplify this without coming across as Sesame Street and insulting the audience? Yeah. And so that was typical, and I haven't figured out how I'm going to do that. And uh, another day, uh, another like key part, I, I have this this application that I've got context-sensitive help for. So that means if the user is on a certain page and they click help, they're supposed to get help for that page. So I was going through making sure that it lined up. And then I had, there's this uh, technology, technology called relationship tables, and it's kind of this set of related links. So I was trying to figure out if a user clicks the help here, what questions will they have? And will those questions be answered through my related links? And there was also a technical glitch I was trying to solve. Every time they click the help button, a new window appeared uh, without just having the new window appear in place of the old window. So if you click the help five times, you get five windows. And so that's a JavaScript problem that I have to figure out the solution for. Still haven't figured that one out. Uh, but that is a P3, priority three, in the list of bugs on that project. So you get, to, you get a lot of different kinds of projects, a lot of different tasks. One, one big surprise is that probably only 10% of your time is heads down writing. The rest of it is figuring out how things work, setting up or doing formatting of things or, or figuring out um, questions that you think users will have. Uh, or, or contributing to interface text and saying, look, this is, we've got to get a human readable error message here. We can't have this stuff. Or this button is terrible. Can we fix it? And you log a bug in the bug tracking system called Jira and try to pester developers to raise it from a P3 to a P2 so they actually will do it. Mm -hmm. So lots of different tasks. And it depends on your role. So. Let, me, let me be a little more specific. Sorry. And, um, we'll get to your question. Um, I, I am in front of a computer all day. I, I think that I was terrified of that kind of job. Um, but uh, really, like, it's, it's more enjoyable and varied because I'm still in an office where I'm interacting with people. Um, basically, my, my job consists of getting a technical order where we have um, the... the the place that I'm working, we're working on the weapon systems and jets, um, so the manuals for those for the Air Force. So I'm actually working on Hill Air Force Base. So we'll get we'll get a 
an, a revision to um, one of their manuals, and I basically am the one that's going through and actually implementing the changes into that manual. So they've updated the equipment or whatever. They send the changes to an editor, and the editor um, marks up the document. I'm the one that actually changes the document using the markup languages and then sends it back. So that's kind of what I do. But a guy just walked out while I was talking. So <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to be an editor. Um, what kind of the dream job is to eventually work with novels and children's books. But, and so I was advised to make my emphasis creative writing, but I'm afraid that's limiting me, and so I'm still skeptical about whether or not professional writing would be a better emphasis. That's a good question. I don't know, if, I don't know how well I would be qualified to answer that. Um, it probably, there probably are multiple paths that you could take. Um, I think certainly having a technical writing background um, and understanding how documents are put together probably would help you to get um, get a relationship with an organization that's doing that um, and that you can maybe work your way around from there but I don't know I, I think it, I mean I have a degree in creative writing and it gives you a good eye for story and narrative and, and whether something will work and I mean there is some crossover with technical writing but I mean by and large different skill sets except for the writing commonality um, so uh, I mean if that's your dream job then then I, I think a creative writing degree would be great but any any degree in writing if you're passionate about it and you write a lot you're going to learn what you need to know and I think the editor has to have a good sense for the market as well like what's going to sell and, and how can you tweak that so you have to have that component too it can't just be oh this is you know this is well written this is literary it's is there a market for this? And that's almost a business background yeah. that, that you, you know, I, I wonder if that's what you maybe would want to consider and, and study the business aspect of publishing and that maybe that would help. Uh, before we started, Tom said that for any good podcast, you had to have an optimist and then sort of the curmudgeon <laughs> on the other side. So I'll play the curmudgeon for the moment. Um, but I, I mean, without sounding too cynical, um, I, I don't know that with editing that it matters so much what your emphasis is. In fact, I would say probably the more diverse you are in terms of showing, I've taken some you know, technical writing editing classes, but I've also, you know, I don't know, I had some business or even computer, um, computer stuff, but also I creative write. I don't know... Um, I don't know that the degree itself matters as much. I think it's more of a matter of, you know, if you have the initial skills that they need, if you can show that you can copy edit, you can start you can start to work your way up and you know, maybe maybe you get really lucky. Um, I mentioned earlier my wife was at a children's book publisher and sometimes it's just really really lucky. How many of you know the book because of Win Dixie? Okay. That came in as an unsolicited manuscript to somebody who previously had my wife's job as the editorial assistant. She sort of latched on and said, hey, no, this is really good. And she got lucky and jumped up a couple steps. Um, you know, whereas other people who had been working there longer hadn't found those dream manuscripts yet and didn't make it up. But one less curmudgeonly comment, it wouldn't hurt to, to call and talk to an editor at a few places. 
if you can, you know, if you can get in dialogue with, uh, um, you know, with an editor at, at Deseret Book or, um, you know, another another press that you're interested in or something, and just ask them, say, you know, what's typical here? Um, uh, you know, do you do you prefer certain majors over others? Um, my guess is that you're going to find that n not really. If you, you know, if you have again, if you can do some editing, and they're comfortable with, with that, then don't. I think especially with, in terms of which emphasis you have, I think that'll matter less. Um, in the front, did you have a question? Um, <coughs> yeah, actually, I did. Um, I was very interested when you said you're actually. I guess setting up the the internet, I guess, for me. Yeah, you're formatting these revisions so, for yeah. manuals of Uh-huh. Um well we Yeah, I'm formatting the documents that sometimes are used in like an internet kind of setting uh -huh. and even are you know, things that are hyperlinked. Um and I think that we're moving a lot of our documents over to uh, more internet-based. Um, what, what was your question well, about it? I was going to ask, are there openings in that field, like at, and at military bases? Is that kind of an, a common opening, or is it very hard to come by? Um, you know, I would, I would guess it's like anything else. I mean, um, it's... It, I think most of them are probably government jobs, but a lot of times they'll contract out, um, and that's what. So I'm working for an engineering firm that's contracting with the military. Okay. But I wouldn't know about the job market really well. Besides that, I was able to get a job during a really difficult time. For um, so sometimes, if you know some of these specialized technologies like SGML and or XML or data, and you can you can <laughs> format and code these things. Um, that specialized skill can help you get past people with more experience. And, and if, if you do go through a contract agency, a lot of times they, they can better place you if, instead of just trying to go through the front door. But DITA is something that's really hot right now, which is a, it's kind of like this SGML where you have this XML structure, and I don't mean to be talking in acronyms, but you have, you have a certain format that you apply in the code, and then once you have that in there, you can do things with the text. You can transform it into different outputs. You can manipulate it. You can call parts of it and things like that. So if you're working in big manufacturing firms or big, big places like the government, the military, they pretty much have a, I think a lot of them have standards uh, standard uh, formats that they want documents in so that they can leverage them in, in mass. Although, I had a government contract at Dugway, and they didn't have any of that. They just kind of, it was kind of a strange setup, and I don't think I was there to do much at all, really. <laughs> yeah, it was, anyway. No, I just, I just wanted to make sure I got these because I... I know I'm going to need to be very competitive, um, and sometimes I feel, <laughs> I guess, inadequate comparing to other class members. Um, it's XML, DITA is DTA, right? D-I-T-A. Okay, and then SGML? For those of you that don't know, SGML, and you know, talking about markup languages, um, I'm sure that you've heard of HTML, which is the markup language that the internet um, uses most so it's just it's languages that you're using to format 
um, documents. Just for your information. Question here and then over on the side. You've mentioned contracting several times. I've heard of the freelancing, contracting, and then you have a job that's a specific company in an office. What are the differences between those? And is there one that's better or more available? Uh, I don't mean to lead off every go, response. Go so go ahead. Or yeah, you probably know this better. Well, okay. The biggest thing is if you're if you're a paid employee at a company, you get full benefits, and that means they pay your health care. That's huge. Mm -hmm. So and you're more stable, right? They're not going to just come to you in one day and say, "Sorry, we're our budget's a little tight." They really have to justify you to fire you. So the employee route for me works better because I feel more stable. I don't feel like one day everything's going to go and, and disappear. I was working a contract job at, at, at this government place, and whether I was going to be renewed or not depended upon funding, which wasn't going to be known until a certain date. And so I was always kind of thinking, well, was, could it all end in a minute? And possibly yes, but it paid better. So I actually took a pay cut to get an employee-paid job. Uh, if you're a contract technical writer, though, it's kind of cool because there are lots of, lots of availabilities uh, for short two, three, four, five, six-month contracts in different locations because people create software and they get near the end and they say, oh shoot, uh, it's more complicated than we thought. We're gonna have to have some kind of training and we'd better get a technical writer to come in. And so there's lots of opportunities for that. You're not as committed, right? You, you're not committed to a company for years. You can get in, you can get out. And sometimes they, they change into uh, full-time jobs if they like you, if you like them. Um, and then freelance, I, I do freelance blog design, which doesn't really fit into my life much anymore because I, I don't have time, but that is uh, more aggressive. You have to you have to market yourself. You know, you handle all aspects of the finances, and um, I, I'm really not one to talk much about the freelance. Actually, Brother Allen, has, has, he used to be a freelance technical writer, and he's probably got great advice there. I think that was good. Right. <laughs> I think you covered it really well. Just... If you, I mean, if you're doing it on your own, um, I mean, I think the major thing is it's really good if, uh, you know, if you just have short periods of time. Like for me, in between summers at graduate school, finding a teaching job over the summer, unless you want to do one of the, you know, Teach for America, that type of thing, um, and they really run you through the ringers <laughs> in, the, in those programs, um, it was good. Uh, but there was a lot more of, as I put it, bugging friends and just contacting people uh, just to see if they if they have a need and so they're I think it'd be really hard to have any sort of security long-term as just sort of going out and trying to pick up your own, your own work that said I have a brother-in-law who's an interaction designer and he does he's got his own company so whenever he needs work done he reaches out to different people and he makes tons and it's really a really hot kind of thing I mean the ability a lot of people are outsourcing the needs right now. And so there's a lot of room for people to find work that way. Of course, this is all technical. It's not really a writing-based thing at all. So anyway, yes? Do you think that com freelance contracting versus working for a company can also depend on your personality and your preferences? Uh, Which one some some people think that working for a company is... Is some kind of submission into slavery, and they hate that. They had they hate having a boss. My brother-in-law is like this. He, he, he always felt that he could be a lot more productive and that he could make the decisions. And he always felt that you know I, 
he said, I, I felt that I'm, I'm worth 100000 I can make, I can do this better than, than uh, the boss was managing things. So if you're that mentality and, and that fits you, then yeah. But if you're the kind where, like, you know, I, I want to learn from my peers, I want to collaborate, I don't think I'm going to make it financially just on my own marketing and pulling in clients and account, doing all the accounting work, then, then, then the employee route may be better as well. I think we skipped you. Sorry. What's available as far as part-time in this field? You know, that's that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know of any um, beyond freelancing type jobs. Um, I don't know if you guys have anything to add to that. But it, it depends. I think rather than part-time, they just have short-term contracts. But maybe you go into the office several days a week, two days a week, to interact with the people you need, and then maybe you could work the rest from home. I haven't really done a whole lot of that because it's never fit my lifestyle, but some people I know love doing it, and uh, there's a good person if you want to follow up with information about that. Her name is Ann Gordon, and uh, if you just email me afterwards, I can give you her email, but I think she's findable online. But a, a great resource for you guys is the STC, the Society for Technical Communication because it, it puts you in contact with professionals in the area. So, for example, this lady, Ann Gordon, she, I know she's a contract technical writer. She's worked for the UTA, and she's always telling me that she doesn't want to be a, a you know, company slave. She loves the freedom of being a tech writer. She's moved from Moab to Draper, and, and I think she follows where the work is. So there's kind of that location aspect that I, I couldn't really manage. But um, if you're in a hub city where there's lots of writing... And I'm going to talk in my presentation later about what those hub cities are, but basically the major cities. Uh, you, you wouldn't have to move from Moab to Salt Lake and back, just try to, trying to find jobs. And I, want to, I want to throw out one more thing, because I know there's so many people who aren't really looking at technical writing. Um, you know, My job encompasses more than just instructions right now. Uh, I mentioned these community <laughs> projects, and, and one way that we're trying to get people involved is by um, promoting them, evangelizing them, uh, and, and trying to get a lot of excitement. So you may be writing blog posts about the products that you're documenting, especially if they're open source. You may be writing um, articles for, for email campaigns or something. So there is a writing aspect that accompanies it. It's not just sitting there writing, click this, like that, you know, choose this, do that which would, you know, drive you insane after a while. It's, um, you really can put your finger into, or hands into a lot of different types of writing in a project. You can even do video tutorials, not even write it at all. So there's, there's lots of different things that, that you can do creatively. I think we're out of time. Are we, are we supposed to give them a 15-minute break, or do we go all the way? Oh, okay. Like, maybe two more questions. I want to go into grant writing, but I'm kind of lost as far as how you get in touch with that and how you prepare yourself to be able to do that, because I don't, there aren't any really classes here that teach you how to do that, so how would you get involved with it? Just, I'll jump in quickly. Go the good news is that uh, a couple semesters from now, we actually will have... Uh, 
in the professional writing emphasis a, a genre class that'll sort of switch around each semester there'll be you know a couple of things like magazine writing and grant writing something so that, that's I think that's one thing to, to watch for but right. currently we, you're right we don't have anything specifically slated in that direction there are courses you can take online and I've also seen um, advertisements for courses um, like at, uh, I saw one at the University of Utah you know I don't know how far you'd have to travel to do something like that but um, I would probably do some online research and and um, even talk to some professionals but I know that there are certifications that you can get um, from from taking some of those not university courses but more profession professional based courses where you're just paying to take like a night class for eight weeks or something so you might want to try that I think grant writing is a good is a good option it's a good skill to have because People usually want you to know what you're doing before they hire you, right? And and that's great if you've got if you can figure out what you need to become credentialed in that. That's that's a that's a good skill to have. I know there is demand for that. You know, even one of the guys that I work with, his wife is working for the um, Weber County uh, in Utah, and she does a lot of that herself. But I know that uh, there's there's demand for that, and that's something you can do on a a contract or a part-time basis as well as other other ways I think also, also just look look for opportunities I mean you know go to uh, you know go to the Madison County Library and say is there something you want do you know of any grants you'd like you know and I mean e even if they don't accept your grant or something gives you, you know, gives you some experience or practice it for yourself try and find a scholarship somewhere that you want to apply for. Uh, I mean, I think actually it's one of the ways that, interestingly, I enhanced um, my, uh, my literary scholarship as much as anything is when I all of a sudden thought, oh, wow, you know, uh, some funding possibilities due to the economy at my, my graduate school are, are running out. Let me explore fellowship options. And it completely transformed the way I thought about what I was working on and you know there were there were some heartbreaks, some you know dream fellowships that I was really hoping for that I didn't get, um, but then some smaller ones that you know, that I was able to to get, and uh, it was really really helpful. And um, so I'd say you know some of this requires footwork on your part, but just try it out, just play around, and you know then all of a sudden you possibly have you know. Five things on your resume. Hey, I was successful at getting money for the Madison County Library. I got these fellowships, and, you know, and that'll also boost what you're able to do. Tom, I wonder if I could ask you a question. You know, sometimes I'll listen to the students who will say, "I'd like to work with the Ensign and, and be on the production of magazines or church publications." Does your office interact with anything like that, the graphic design and the production of magazines, or is that more of a a journalism entry, or how, how you know, how does that work? It's, it's crazy that that I wouldn't actually have ever met anybody who works on the Ensign staff. It's it's really strange that there's not more interaction between the different departments. So just to break it down, they're under the the department called Curriculum, and they handle all the manuals. And we were actually trying to figure out how they're writing the manuals, if they're, if they're single sourcing them, if they're in a database, you know, we didn't even know. Oh, and, and there's other departments 
For example, the AV department recently launched this like 24-7 podcast. I didn't even know until like the week before it came out. If you've been to radio.lgs.org, that's what I'm referring to. So there's not a lot of interaction, um, but that's not to say that if I went knocking and looking, I couldn't find it out. And there are, there are internships for working on the Ensign. Um, my colleague applied for one, and he didn't get it a long time ago before he became a full-time employee. So they're somewhat competitive. Um, and uh, there's a lot, there's an incredible amount of talent at the church, really. I mean, the number of people who are just skilled in what they do, whether it's audiovisual, graphic design, layout, uh, XML, it, the resources available is really kind of cool because I know that if I have questions about something, if I want to learn something, there's somebody who knows it, or, or vice versa. Uh, we can we can learn from each other, and I we have a, a team now of eight people on our on our information strategy strategies and design team, which is how we rebranded ourselves rather than just like the tech com group, and. Uh, it's pretty amazing. Some somebody, a former student here, was just showing me this this thing he'd coded with jQuery with all these kind of sliding down uh, effects and really nicely designed. And I was like, wow, he's the only guy who knew jQuery, and, and that was cool. And another person is like an expert in Madcap Flare, and he was like single sourcing things and showing us how he was setting up these master page layouts and filling the text in there. For, and so we have different skill sets and. And if you can get in a company, especially if you're new, you want to get in a place where you're not the only person because you want to learn from your peers. So if you get in a big company with lots of other technical writers, it can be a great training ground for, for doing that. So wherever you land, if you if you happen to go the church route, it's it's a fun environment to be in. Unfortunately, there's a hiring freeze right now, but hopefully that will be lifted in a year or so. Who knows? Yeah. Do they have internships for tech, the tech writing part? Yeah, you'd think... You think that there would be, but I guess they don't do. Um, they do all paid intern internships, so so uh, no, not right now. Uh, unfortunately, I wish there were, but um, not that I know. My boss says that in order to to like hire anybody, he ha- he jokes that you like have to balance a bottle on your nose for a week and plead with the people to to just even get an exception. So it's quite difficult. Um, but but try look for things there's lots of companies in utah utah is a great place because there's so many mid-sized startups and and other companies where if you are a part of that you probably will do 10 different types of writing for that group so i know that i i applied once for mosey and i was actually thinking about uh going to work there instead i went to a different place and the appeal of mosey is that they had a blog and i was like oh i could write on their blog and they also had new products coming out i was like oh i could write the instruction for that and i could do the marketing stuff for them and so there's, I could do every type of writing I wanted, and and um, but I didn't really think that they would take off. But <laughs> uh, and then they were bought by the very company that I went to work for, which was kind of crazy. Um, but um, so so yeah, if you land if you land in a big place, that's great because you learn from your peers. If you land in a small place, that's also good because then you get to do ten different types of writing. All right. Do you, any one last question? Okay, let's have a round of applause for this guy.